Amen. Well, again, what a joy it is to be together. This morning, we're going to finish up our series on why church. And a quick review, because we built a case for church. Why church? We began with this fundamental idea at the very foundation. Why church? Because Jesus loves the church. That Jesus is at the foundation. Jesus is at the core. Everything else builds from that. And then week two, we said very simply that uh, why church? Because we are committed to each other's spiritual growth. That we're not alone. We're here to spur one another on, to challenge one another, to care for one another. And then week three, we said we were created to worship. We were created to worship. And we were created to do that together. And then we said in week four, why church? Because we need clarity in a time of confusion. We need that crystal clear clarity of God's word of the Bible to help us filter through the confusion and chaos of our world today. And then week five, we said this, we simply need each other. As a church family, we need each other. We need each other's support. And then week six, last week we said, why church? Because our local community needs Jesus. Our local community needs Jesus. Wherever you have influence, wherever I have influence, wherever we have influence, we are to always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. Now this morning, we're going to broaden the scope a little bit, and we're going to reach out a little bit, and we're going to look out, and we're going to make the case, why church? Because the church is God's plan to build the kingdom. The church is God's plan to build the kingdom. And I want to walk you through very quickly a few scriptures around the kingdom. And this morning I've got, you know, really something for our heads, our hearts, and our hands as we go through, but I want to lay a little bit of groundwork, give you a little bit of the breadth of what God's word has to say about the kingdom. So what is God's vision of the kingdom? And then how will we respond. Jesus, uh, as his disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. And he gave us what we know as the Lord's prayer. And part of that was your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom now, Jesus bring the kingdom here now. And we can fast forward and we can look at uh, all the way at the end in the book of Revelation 1115. This is the revelation that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So this is a big picture. This is a bookend of the breadth of the kingdom. That one day, Jesus will return. One day, that kingdom on heaven, kingdom on earth will become one. And the values, the love, the compassion, everything that characterizes God's kingdom will be reality. Now, we live in the in-between. We live in the already, or we live in the not yet. Jesus has already died for us. Jesus has already saved us. Jesus has already come, but there is a not yet that is yet to be fulfilled. So we live in this point of tension here. 
What does this kingdom look like? Revelation 5, 9 through 10 says about Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Every nation, every tribe, there is a big vision of the kingdom that is to come. The kingdom is bigger than your house and my house. The kingdom is bigger than Greenwood, Indiana. The kingdom is bigger than the United States of America. All nations. This was Jesus' challenge to us, the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. I'm in Matthew 28. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says this in Acts 1.8 as he's risen, getting the church started, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the vision. That's the challenge. That's the command. Now, if we read through the book of Acts, we, we see all kinds of expansion of the kingdom. We see martyrdom. We see persecution. We see the church. We see Paul. We see Peter. We see going into the Jewish communities and then expanding that vision out. And it was actually the persecution that led to the scattering, the expansion of the church. God commands Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, 47, this. He says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I have made you a light. I have made you a light to bring salvation, to bring the gospel the good news that Jesus defeated the power of sin and death and rescues all who believe in him. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It's a gospel that saves. It's a gospel that sustains and empowers and brings life, a life that is truly life. Yes, there's eternity. Yes, there's forever. But there's also the power of the gospel, the power of the kingdom, the power of life with Christ today that is available to us all. The book of Acts closes with this, uh, talking about the apostle Paul. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So we see this beautiful picture in the book of Acts. We see a handful of people exploding, turning the world upside down, 
through the transformative message of Jesus Christ. And we know that that message is true because Jesus died and he literally rose from the dead. That that is at the absolute center if the resurrection is true. If the resurrection is true, everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. Now, as Paul went out to churches, as he planted churches, as he gathered offerings, as he uh, really built the church and poured into the church and sent people out and uh, worked through conflict and all these things, there's a beautiful line in his letter to the Philippians that I, I want us to focus on this morning. He says this in Philippians 1, verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. I want you to feel that phrase, partnership in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel. This morning we have the opportunity to hear from some of our partners in the gospel. And I want to invite them to come out now. And we're going to have the opportunity to hear their stories. Because this morning, I want you to see this. I want you to see that the kingdom is big. And the kingdom extends throughout the ends of the earth. So let's give our uh, partners a warm welcome here. They're going to get an opportunity to uh, introduce themselves or to talk about their minister, but we have ministry, but we have Jim and April and Rachel and David. Um, and we're going to get an opportunity to hear from them. So uh, we're super excited that they're here and they represent different parts of the globe and different ministries. And uh, you're in for a treat to get to hear from them. So I'll start with April. Tell us a little bit about your ministry and then how you got started. So if it's okay, I'm going to do the reverse. And how Absolutely. Got started you first. got the mic. <laughs> Um, it all started with an episode of 2020 that I never saw, uh, but three CCG members and friends of mine called me three days in a row to tell me about that show, and after that, God orchestrated just a long series of events basically to bring to my mind and heart the need of the orphan and his huge heart for orphans, and so just out of a desire to be obedient to his word and to have his own character building in me, um, I started pursuing ways like, how do we effectively help orphans? So today the Boaz Project inspires and equips leaders around the globe to care for orphans in their own communities, and we're working in Russia, India, and Kenya. Awesome, awesome. So we'll hear more in a minute about uh, your ministry, but uh, yes. Russia, Kenya, India, and India, taking care of orphans, all right? So, Rachel, tell us uh, a little bit about your ministry and then how, how you got started. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the community churches here in Indianapolis. And when I was 16, our youth group went to Brazil. And I love it. And it was 
not at all what I expected. And I came back home, and I, that's when I really felt that God called me to Brazil, but I had just no idea what that meant at all. And um, so when I was 21, I sort of hightailed it to Brazil, and they, they called me the intern that never left. I was <laughs> trying to get rid of me, but I was very captivated by the idea, um, World Renewal Brazil is all about church planting, and they do it in so many different ways, but specifically the idea of church planting through child sponsorship. And I was like, that's my spot. And so 17 years later, I'm representing the ministry there in Brazil, but still connected to this idea of creating, building, and inviting, especially children. I like adults. You guys are great, but especially children um, into God's family and, and family right where they're at. That's awesome. So we've got some CCG roots here, some CCG roots here, and then I think this guy on the end, David Joseph. David, you've got some CCG roots as well. Tell us just quickly uh, about how you got started and what you do. Our mission experience started here at Community Church of Greenwood. This church has always been a missions-minded church, gave freely and sacrificially for missionaries around the world. And we were on staff here as a pastor of pastoral care and discipleship and shepherding. And we began to pray that God would send someone to work with native Eskimo Indian people in Alaska and so we turn our chairs around. We have a home over here. We still have it. And uh, we begin to pray, God, you know, uh, send someone to Alaska. And he sent us. <laughs> we were the answer to our own prayers. And so we left in 1990. And we only went for 15 months. We put our stuff in storage in the basement of our house. 31 years later, it's still there. So if you are interested in any furniture that will come around in style, we have it. That's awesome. My dad actually helped build one he of those did. churches. He did. Yeah, so there's a personal, personal connection here. So, uh, so cool to see how God has used CCG to, to send folks out in different, different areas. So Jim, I'm going to turn it over to you for a second. Um, what is it? What's the gospel look like? What's it, what's your, what's it look like to share the gospel in, in your particular area? So the way it looks like for the ministry of the Boaz Project, we partner, as we said, in Russia, India, and Kenya, and the men and women that we partner with as they are taking in orphans, children into their care in atheist communities, um, Muslim communities, Hindu communities, they are making it clear that the reason why they are doing what they're doing is because of Jesus, because Jesus has asked us as brothers and sisters, as Christians, to care for orphans, and so that's how they are working out the gospel and how the Boaz Project is supporting them as they do that. Yeah. So a tangible response to the, the love of Christ. Yeah. So how about you, Rachel? What's, a, what's it look like in your context? Um, yeah, the, well, in Brazil, there's so many creative ways that people are sharing the gospel through web radio, through um, food baskets during COVID. Um, but especially with Living Stones, it's just a basic, very, very simple idea um, of 
just going into a community and reaching out to the families, um, the, the children, and inviting them to, in Brazil, you go to school either in the afternoon or the morning. Um, so go to school in the morning, come, get a really great meal, get tutoring, play some sports, play with your friends, um, learn some character qualities, Bible verses, all kinds of different stuff. And really, it's, it's doing church during the week and then inviting them to church on the weekend. Um, but what a cool way to really live out the gospel throughout the week and then invite everyone to come together and celebrate that on Sunday. What a beautiful thing. A simple invitation to share in God's love and real practical love. Wonderful. David, how about you? For us, it's a little different. Uh, We're in a cross-cultural ministry, and so when we went to Alaska, we didn't understand the culture. We didn't understand the culture of Eskimos or Indians, and so we became students of the culture in order to communicate the gospel because there's so many things you can do wrong and so many mistakes you can make. I mean, how you shake hands, how you look at people in the eye, uh, the stories that you embrace in the Bible, uh, so important to understand the culture. So we became students of the culture and as we became students of the culture, we were building a church. Uh, this, church was very instru- this church was very instrumental in helping us build the Fairbanks Native Bible Church. It's a big log church on the river. Um, And uh, the people came and gave up their time, their their vacations to come help us build. And today the church, uh, I was pastor there for 27 years and we released the church to the native people and they now have a native pastor and the church is doing very, very well. And uh, it's just a, a, it's a success story, not from me, but from what the Lord has done uh, through it, all of you. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving and supporting us all these 31 years. Oh, that's awesome. What an awesome example of being an ambassador for Christ, to understand that culture and to bring the gospel into it. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how God's working. So April, give us a, a little bit there. I think the easiest way for me to see God at work um, is in the lives of the children that we're serving. So in all three countries where we work, statistical outcomes for children who've lost even just one parent are, are really grim. Um, across the world, it's 80% are going to turn to prostitution. They're going to be sold on the streets, that kind of stuff. And so to see a different outcome from that mm-hmm. is definitely God's hand. And just one quick example, Magesh, um, his father died. His mother was paralyzed. He could have been on the streets, but instead he was taken into one of our homes. He's now a seminary-trained pastor spreading the gospel. And so... Um, whether it's, you know, we have a Kenyan in the, working in the high courts of Kenya, we have people in business or teachers or whatever, but wherever they are, they're building God's kingdom, and that's what it's all about. So that's super exciting for us to have been around long enough now to see some of those outcomes. Yeah, that's amazing to work. just see that impact. Absolutely. That changed life and, and, and that impact. Wow. How about, uh, where do you see God working? Yeah, well, I definitely have to talk about all of the pandemic pivots okay. <laughs> um, that have happened. Um, things look a lot different than they did a couple of years ago, um, and it's it's been amazing to see God moving and working, and obviously he didn't stop, even when we had to stop a lot of different how we were doing things and reevaluating um, 
But it's, it's been really wonderful to see all of the local leaders step up and um, out of, you can see what was done out of routine and what was really needed when, it, when you go through a pandemic. And um, just, we've had a food basket um, drive over 4,000 food baskets have been passed out, not just in our churches, but in all of the communities, people in the churches saying, my friend needs food. We need to take care of these people around us. And that has just given um, a lot of our leaders uh, a new sense of purpose and a lot of open doors they didn't have before um, just because you go and you serve where the needs are. Um, and that has just been really beautiful. And then in our own family, how God has been working in our pandemic pivot is our, my, my two girls and my husband, we returned to the States last November in the middle of all of this, um, to represent the ministry here. Um, missions is, who knows? <laughs> After the pandemic, a lot of things are changing, and um, just, it's awesome to see God doing that, and we've really realized that the best person to represent a missionary is a missionary, and that's gone really, really well, so we're blessed. Oh, that's awesome. David, where do you see God working? When we left the native church, we were looking for what God was calling us to do next, to come home or to stay there. And so we went to a little church, uh, it was called Friendship Baptist Mission, and there were 10 people there, and they were all over 70, <laughs> and the church was dying. And uh, we felt that God was calling us to that particular church. We had been to that church summers of 81 and 82 as summer missionaries. And so we went there, and uh, just a quick story. I, I, I'm, I love to tell stories. Dennis Joseph came to our church. He, no relation to me, but he is from the big Joseph family from the village of Tannenau. So he comes to our church. He's been a drug addict, sex addict, any kind of addict you can think of. He gave his heart to the Lord, dramatically changed. His sister died after that from a drug overdose. We did her funeral, and uh, the whole Joseph clan came to church. And um, after that, uh, Dennis's other sister, Lisa, came to church. She was a meth addict, and she gave her heart to Christ, quit cold turkey, brought her family. Her daughter got saved, and we're just seeing this great movement in this family. And so now the family's beginning to think, What's going on? So now all the Joseph clan comes to the Joseph Baptist Church, <laughs> over 30 of them, and we have 21 children, seven teens, and we're in the process of calling a youth pastor out of Wyoming right now. Oh, that's awesome. Just to see that impact, to see that impact and, and, and only God. So I'm going to... I'm going to invite you to talk about any challenges that you're facing, or we've got a little bit more time for another story or two, if you've got stories. So uh, either a challenge or a story, and I'll, uh, I'll open it up. I can start with a prayer request. Sure. All right. Um, so we would really covet your prayers. We are in the process of building uh, an apartment building. You, this community of believers helps to support the El Shaddai children's home in Lamuru, Kenya, and um, you've been so generous in your giving to support them monthly. You've also given a one-time gift toward the building of an apartment building. 
uh, that's in process. We would love your prayers as we seek to find um, men and women couples that can help uh, lead um, different um, groups, different, um, in, in this building there'll be these apartments and we'll need um, evangelical Christians to come and serve as house parents um, in these apartments. So we would just love for you to pray with us as we seek them um, and seek their help and to, to minister to these uh, boys and girls. Yeah, so, so more partners in the gospel, sure. Yeah. And if there's time for a quick story, go, I've got Go for one. it. <laughs> Only because CCG is so instrumental in this, and I think it's exciting. But um, when we first were connected with this partner home in Kenya, it was through some mutual friends who were here in Greenwood on a visit. They were Kenyan, but knew a lot of the same people. And um, they're telling us about this home and about the director and the needs there and whatnot. And we began praying about it. But what we didn't know and what even the people telling us about the home didn't know was that at that same time, the government was bringing 15 young men who had been in internment camps because of stuff with war going on. They said their time at the internment camp is over. We have to unload them. And that doubled the size of the orphanage that she was caring for. And so though none of the parties at play knew what was happening, God was providing for those boys by bringing us, including CCG, alongside them to meet that need before they had a chance to ask. And I just, I love watching God do those things to, to provide for his children. Can we get an amen on that? Amen. Only God. Only God. Story or a challenge? Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of both. Okay. <laughs> um, for our Living Stones kids, um, the public schools in Northeast Brazil um, were just completely closed for a year and a half. Like, absolutely no school. They had no ability, the schools didn't have the ability to go online, the kids didn't have ability to see online, <laughs> to be internet connected, and so it was a year and a half, they've just started this past semester, since 20, the beginning of 2019, they had a couple weeks of school, um, 2020, sorry, and so it's very far behind. Um, Compassion International has said that it's put poverty efforts, um, poverty relief efforts back about 10 years. Um, so there is a lot of things to rebuild. <laughs> uh, and like, for example, um, one of our girls, uh, Anna Maria, she hasn't gone to school for a year and a half. Her mom has been in and out of a job during that time when her mom's at a job, she's home alone. Um, and so her and her friends, they would meet up at a park, even though you weren't supposed to gather publicly during this time. And they started a dance crew. And she is 12 years old and doesn't really see a reason why she should go back to school now. Mm. It's been a year and a half. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a lot of going back to square one. And that's exactly why we have these communities. That's why we have Living Stones. That's why we are church planting churches to be there and be family for mm. these people. So it's a, it's a challenge. It's uh, a prayer quest. And mm. Wow. That's a perspective changer. When you think of 18 months with nothing. Nothing. And that in creative ways you can still bring that, that hope and that connection. So, David, how about a, a story or a challenge? 
have lots of stories. I've or a book. <laughs> I've written a book about stories. It's the story of my life, of ministry from uh, Appalachia to Alaska. It's called Beyond Bloody Trace. And I moved from my, the place where I was from, Bloody Trace. It's not a murder mystery. <laughs> moved from Bloody Trace to the blood of Jesus at the end. And so uh, there's a, a chapter in here on CCG. And I'll leave this copy with Jason. And uh, if you're interested, um, I haven't got it published yet. I've published it myself. And it's got a few typos in it. But there's lots of stories in here about CCG and uh, my early life and my love story with my wife and uh, just hostilities with demons in Alaska and cold, dark hearts, just a variety of things, of stories, of, of ministry. And so uh, I'm not here to endorse it. I just want to leave this copy with the church. And um, God's wonderful, mysterious grace has done marvelous things in my life. And Kim Allen over here has uh, read it, and she can probably testify to that grace. And so, yeah, there's lots of stories I could tell, but I'll just leave this with you, Jason. Okay, thank you. How can we pray for you? Well, uh, there's a picture on here of my family. Uh, I just lost my last brother uh, three days ago, and um, it's been hard. I haven't cried yet. I'm running from grief, so I appreciate your prayers. Mm. And uh, I'm the last one standing in my family. And it's just a hard pill for me to swallow. And also uh, pray for uh, my son. Uh, he recently went on a hunting trip and he almost died. And uh, God miraculously saved him. They had to rescue him off out of the river in the middle of a river with a helicopter. But, uh, but just pray for him. He, he told me, uh, God got my attention and uh, I want to be baptized, Dad. Wow. But not in a river. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that with us, David. Well, let's, uh, can we take a minute as a church family and let's, uh, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, do we thank you for the way that you've worked in these ministries. Whether it's Kenya, whether it's Brazil, whether it's Alaska, you are at work and you are faithful. We thank you for the impact that you've made, the lives that have been changed. And as we look back with the eyes of faith, we can say, only because of Jesus. So right now, we, we lift these ministries up to you. We pray for Gem and April that, that you would bring to them the right people, the right people that can minister to these kids as they <clears throat> just continue to build, to expand, and to share your love. We just ask right now that you would just be supernaturally intervening to make those connections so that your name can continue to be uh, spread and you can continue to bring uh, hope where there seems to be no hope. And Lord, we thank you we thank you for Rachel and Cade, and uh, we pray for them both. We pray for Cade as he continues his education, that you would watch over him, that you would give him the strength 
that he needs. And, and Father, as we think about all these kids who've gone 18 months without any education, that seems like a challenge that is just so profound. But yet you are present and you are working creatively to bring the hope of the gospel to these kids through simple acts of love, through community. May your presence just be so real. And Father, we thank you for David. And our heart breaks, our hearts, we mourn with him right now as he continues to grieve. May your Holy Spirit remind him that he's your child. May you give him comfort, comfort his family. We thank you, Father, for your hand of protection over his son and your movement in his heart. And Lord, as we look back and we, we, we think of the decades of the work that you've done in him and through him in Alaska, we say thank you. And I pray a blessing upon him in this chapter of his life. And Father, again, we thank you for your ability, not ours, but your power to bring us together, your power to bring the light of salvation where there's darkness, to bring hope where there seems to be no hope. And may you continue to do your work through these ministries, through the men and women uh, who you've called into these, this ministry. We think of all of our impact partners and we think of the ways you are using our church to have impact. So again, we say thank you. And in the strong name of Jesus, may your word, your salvation, that message of the gospel continue to go forth. May you protect them from the evil ones. May you continue to guide and direct and empower. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's give them a huge hand and a word of encouragement. Wow. Wow. When I, when I, 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 I don't know about you, but I can get stuck in Greenwood, Indiana sometimes. Anybody with me? I can get stuck here. I can, I can look out and I can see an IU shirt and I can whine about IU football losing a game last night. When I hear those stories, though, I think the kingdom is so much bigger. It's so much bigger than everything that's going on right now. But yet, but yet God can use each one of us. Each one of us. Not in just an abstract theoretical way, but in a real way, God can use us. As I hear these stories and I think about their ministries, as I think about the ministries that we support, we all have influence in our local community. God is calling every one of us to reach out, to be ambassadors, to always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have right here, right now. And God is calling us as a church 
to pool our resources, to pray together, to encourage together, to extend the kingdom to all nations to the end of the earth. And we get to do that. We get that opportunity. So I hope your heart like mine is full as I hear these stories and I think about the opportunity that we have now and the opportunity that we will have through this church to build the kingdom. So as, uh, as we close this time and we, we, we get ready to sing here in just a minute, I want to give you something for your head, something for your heart, and something for your hands. First of all, as you look at those scriptures, and I read them quickly, I gave you a, just a quick run-through of some of those scriptures about the kingdom, about God's rule on earth, about God having authority, about God's values of love and compassion and his character taking over and spreading to the ends of the earth. I want, I want your mind to be full. I want your imagination to be full. As I think of Kenya and I think of Brazil and I think of Alaska, three different places, three different ways to be an ambassador, three different Strategies. I want your mind to be full. I also want your heart to be touched this morning. The CEO of yourself, your decision maker, that says, what am I going to give myself to? Would you commit to pray? Would you commit to give some of your time to pray? That's a heart deal. That says, I'm going, to, I'm going to give some time to pray because I believe that God answers prayers and that your prayers and my prayers really make a difference, really make a difference. I imagine in, in all of their stories, there were times of tremendous discouragement, times of saying, you know what, I'm ready to give it up. I'm ready to be done. I'll go do something else. This is too hard. But I imagine there are times when God answered prayers and encouraged our partners, that God moved in a way that said only God that brought that encouragement to the ministry. So would you commit to pray? Would you commit to give some of your time to pray, to encourage, to give, to give as an out, outpouring of your heart? When you give to our church, you're supporting these ministries. We get that opportunity. We get that opportunity. And then finally, as you think about just hands, and, and, and I want to give you a practical uh, step you can take, all right? Sometimes we, you know, we send our people out. I love the CCG roots of, of all of them. We send people out to the ends of the earth. Sometimes people from other nations, from across the ocean, come here. Come here. And we have that opportunity just south of us. We have thousands of Afghan refugees who need hope, who need practical love. And we have an opportunity to step into that. And I want to challenge you. In your bulletin, you've got all the details about how we can show the practical love of Christ how we can give tangible items that are in need 
And my prayer is that as we do that, as we can step into that and show the love of Christ, we can build bridges to share. We can build bridges to share. But that's going to start with some practical love. So you've got all the details right here. What an awesome opportunity that we have. Would you pray with me? Father, as we, <clears throat> as we come, again, we simply say thank you for the opportunities that you've given us to work through this church, to spread your love, to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And may you just continue to go forth and do what only you can do to build your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.